special thanks to our promotional partners at the American Philatelic Society. The APS is the largest stamp collecting organization in the world, supporting collectors of any level worldwide. For more information about membership and APS services, visit stamps.org. Hi, I'm Michael Cortese of Noble Spirit in Pittsfield, New Hampshire. And I'm Charles Epting of H.R. Harmer in New York City. And this is Conversations with Philatelists. I'm going to get this out of the way right off the bat. Um, our more perceptive viewers may notice this is not my normal backdrop. Um, and our listeners have no idea what I'm talking about right now. Um, but I'm actually at LaGuardia Airport right now. I'm flying to uh, to Missouri uh, to work on catalog production. It's a long story, but uh, as you said, as we were talking a little bit ago, uh, this is the luxurious life of a uh, professional philatelist <laughs> is uh, hopping on a plane uh, to go to the Midwest for the next week to to describe lots and do catalog layout and whatnot. So um, I'm going to try to mute my audio as much as possible because I'm sure there will be departure announcements. But uh, but real quick before we get started and introduce our guest, I just wanted to uh, point out that the old LaGuardia terminal is mid-demolition, wow. which I've been mesmerized by for the last hour or so. Um, <laughs> I haven't been able... So if you see me during the interview staring <laughs> off into space, it's uh, it's because it's incredible to watch it. Yeah. A building that large get demolished in real time. So yeah. without further ado, who's our guest today, Michael? Today our guest is James Gavin, the digital philatelist. He's uh, created a website where it's a compilation of all social and digital philatelic related material on one website. If you're looking for YouTube videos, if you're looking for blogs, if you're looking for uh, Patreon pages... It, it's everything. It's like an aggregate of yeah. philatelic uh, digital material. It's, it sounds like. Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly what it is. And I'm I'm excited to talk to him because I he's got analytics on on where the people are are coming from, what they're looking for, and and he's really as far as digital philately goes, he will know what the people want because he can see what they want. And this is also much earlier than we normally record our interviews. It's uh, yes, he's in eight o'clock in the morning. So yeah, this is our furthest guest, I believe. This is our yeah, yeah. Uh, most most distant uh, conversation with a philatelist yet. So that's very <laughs> exciting as well. Yeah, it's going to be tough to find someone um, who doesn't have more than a sixteen-hour time change. We can talk to a uh, lunar philatelist uh, yeah. when, yes, when yeah. Elon Musk puts someone on the moon. That'll mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Um, actually, Tom, so Cruise, let's, Tom Cruise is going to the moon. Uh, then let's talk to him. Maybe he yeah, collects stamps. Maybe. You know what? Maybe he doesn't collect stamps, so we can still talk. Well, to maybe him. he's going to, like David Ball said, cancel a stamp on the moon. We can at least talk to him about that. We, uh, you know, at, at this point, we'll uh, we'll talk to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Let's bring James in. This is exciting. Let's, let's bring him in. we got a lot to talk about, and, uh, and uh, here he is. Let's go. Hey. hey. <laughs> How are you? Good. How are How's you doing? Going? Not too bad. Thank so, you for uh, for joining oh, us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, we we were just talking in the intro. You might notice that this isn't Charles's usual backdrop. Um, no, I'm at uh, I'm at LaGuardia <laughs> Airport in New York right now. So I apologize oh, if there's any any background. I'm going to mute myself as much as possible, and uh, you hear the announcement. So uh, yeah. my, Michael's going to going to take charge, and I'll unmute myself whenever I want to chime in. So, yeah, so I was I was a bit wa- wondering where you were because like we don't what's an airport like <laughs> that's still a thing even <laughs> apparently they still exist yeah yeah thanks for thanks for joining us uh, James so 
can you talk a little bit about your your start with the digital philatelist? And I, I know you started the Rhodesian Study Circle, you said, quite some time ago. So that yeah. obviously, um, I assume, kind of di- diverted into the digital philatelist once you got that uh, on on more of an internet secured side and everything like that. Can you can you just talk about your start? Yes. Yeah, sure. So I started with um, the Rhodesian Studies Circle back in 2013. I kind of s- said to them, um, "Why don't like why do you not have any media presence, like social media presence? Um, and do you mind if I just start like a basic Facebook group uh, to get going?" And they were like, "Yeah, okay, sure." Um, and then about two years after that, they said, "Look, our website's really bad," which it was. It was really bad. <laughs> um, and so I took that on, and I basically was working on that. For the, up until uh, this year, um, and then I just needed a break. I'd been doing it for nearly well seven years at that point. Um, a lot of research. There was we got up uh, five and a half thousand pages of website content for wow. the Rhodesian Study Circle. Uh, we catalogued something like twenty to thirty thousand postcards uh, from that era. So there was, it was there was a lot of work, and it was just um, time for a break, time to look at something else for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you started the Digital Philatelist just about a, a year ago then, or a year or so ago? Um, no, it was in July. Okay. In oh, wow. July, that was yeah. very recent. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I work fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems such uh, so vast and so, it contains so much. I, I assumed it had been uh, at least three or four years. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I've been, like, because I've been in that social media market for, uh, a while now and I've been seeing kind of how clubs and organisations have been moving in that circle. I kind of knew some of the big players already. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I could tap into that one, that knowledge a little bit, but it's a big rabbit hole. You go down, you come back up and you find new things and you're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Has, has the current situation given you more time to focus on a project like this? And, and do you feel like it's created more of a need for a project like this? Presumably, people are sitting at home or, you know, working from home these days. Uh, they've got to be looking for this sort of material more than they would have been even just a year ago or, um, you know, six months ago. Do you feel like you're helping to fill a void uh, during the pandemic? You know what? I don't actually think... <sighs> this pandemic's interesting. I don't think it's actually... Um, made people make people go online um they were already there it's just made the large organizations take action now some of them Mm. were already in the process so um the aps and the pts uh they'd started this a couple of years ago so they kind of put themselves into a prime position anyway that this came along that they kind of had most of the resources ready to go um and i think if you had looked at 10 years 10 years down the track what happened now would have just been 10 years if the other organisations just slowly caught up to where things were going. So there's uh, there's definitely a lot of need online um, for this type of interaction. It's just it, it hasn't been met previously um, by the philatelic organisations. or Like the smaller smaller clubs and, and everything like that. You mean um, or, yeah, or from large, large, from small to large, like yeah. like even Australia, they, it's just not hasn't moved at all since uh, say the late nineties when internet came out and um, was more accessible and HTML and that it just hasn't moved on. Um, 
PTS were probably the first big ones that I remember. Uh, they were about 2016, roughly. They totally revamped uh, their website, and that was the first one that I kind of knew that was more modern-looking in, mm-hmm. in, in their presentation and modern forward thinking, and APS wasn't too long after that. Yeah, yeah. So in addition to what you what you have on the Digital Philatelist, the different blogs, channels, and everything like that, do you yeah. have... Zoom invites for clubs that are looking for, like the Collectors Club or anything or like that, like the Rhodesian Study Circle or, or any other clubs looking to gain more members? Yes and no. So I, I haven't really gone down putting Zoom invites because at the moment I just I wouldn't have the capacity to do it. Like I'm <laughs> the only one running that website. I wouldn't have the capacity to keep up with it. So I yeah. kind of haven't really gone down that path at the moment mm-hmm. um, in re- in regards to that. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the difference between Australian collectors and collectors in the United States that, and maybe your your traffic on either side. So it's the digitalphilatelist.com. Do you, do you find most of your people viewing the website are from the United States or are they from where, – where would you say the majority of the demographic is from? It depends. So um, it depends on how you connect online. So I've tried to at the moment starting to get into the Latin American side of things because they have amazing they have so many videos online um they may not be in english they might be in spanish but um or portuguese but they actually have like downloads available pdfs on some of them um so sometimes it's breaking into the the new markets and when i had the chat with the aps i think it was in may uh, march this year um about the future of philately and that it was one of the things i said was you need to branch out and think outside of this small club mentality um and have a look at what else is a is out there. So if I can, so whatever I connect to, so it might be uh, the Philippines have got um, STEM clubs. I'll connect with them, or I might connect connect with the Zeppelin club if there's something that comes up on a Zeppelin. Uh, it, like how how do I connect all these different members to know what resources are available, or STEM collectors to know which resources are available? Once I can connect them, it's then up to that philatelic organisation club website to keep them interested. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's that's a little bit of a challenge, but it has got better over the years. Yeah. So what is your overall, I know this sounds like a question that I should be asking at the end, but I'll ask it here in the beginning. What's your overall hope for the, the website? It's, it's, it's a massive compilation of all digital philately. What's your hope for it? Mainly to connect people, to connect people to the resources they need. Um, so, you know, outside of America, people don't know what the American Philatelic Society is. You know, mm-hmm. we, we call it the APS. Well, if you don't know yeah. what the APS is, you're none the wiser. So I'm trying to work it at the moment so that once they get to the point where they want to, they find what they need, they can connect to whatever information they need in, to move forward. That That's where I'd like to get it at. And that'll take a while, but um, that's where I want to get it to. Yeah. Yeah, so there's like a there's a small term plan, and then the long term plan is to just connect all of collectors worldwide. Correct. Like, so if, if there was someone who was looking under uh, for say COVID related philately, I've got virology, and that'll have COVID underneath that under the thematics, so that then they can connect, they can see the videos that the North Toronto Stamp Club have done or Stampex mm-hmm. have done, um, and bring it and. They've got one central point for it. But, you know, if they want to have a look at something on America, I've got a whole list of American stamp clubs that I could find um, that I can list on there. But 
as I said, you tend to find these little veins like gold and yeah, yeah. That must be tough finding all the individual clubs that that aren't advertising so well because the reason that that you want to bring them out is because they're not doing well enough online already. Mm. So that it must be tough to find them. With sites like uh, WordPress and um, I think there's a couple of others as well. They don't need like they don't need to be difficult anymore. They're quite easy to set up within mm-hmm. minutes. Like I, I set up the digital philatelist um, probably within five ten minutes. I had a website domain ready to go. The templates were all done. I just chose what I wanted, um, and then I just needed to start using it like a word document. And so, when you see uh, STEM clubs going, oh, we need to get a special computer person, you know, all this. It's like you really don't like it's it's a very nineteen nineties way of thinking and, and looking at it. Are you reaching out to the people who who aren't doing that to show them or explain them, or is that taking too much of your your time? Yeah, yeah, I'll help anyone if they if they ask. Um, if they ask, <laughs> a lot of people yeah. like I, I I offered one um, organization that was saying, you know, we're on our last legs. You know, uh, we're thinking of closing up. I said, look, your website's not that crash hot. Like, um, I'll fix it up for you. Just Flip it over to WordPress and I'll I'll get it done. Never heard back from them again. Oh, well, I mean that's a fantastic offer. That yeah, I mean it's really really good intentions there is to keep the keep it. I want to enable. I want to yeah. enable these clubs to continue going. And you know, if if you're at a point where you have to get someone who has to code and you have to spend month and like yeah. hundreds and hundreds of dollars um, to code, it, it's not sustainable because. Philatelic organisations in the future, they won't exist like we know them now. Um, I think you're going to find most of them will be free. Like there's really, is there any reason to charge a fee unless you're someone like the the APS that are offering some really high-end services behind the scene? Why why are you charging a fee? Um, And I think ones like uh, the Korean Stamp Society, which went totally free, I think they were one of the first. Um, And I think... I think it's the Spanish Philatelic Society in the US. They also went free not long after as well. You only need just a couple of people. You don't need a lot of money anymore, so you don't need those membership dues and that. And if people don't like what they find, well, just go create your own website, (laughs) start your own Facebook page, you know, and go get – that's how we work in this day. Do you have any intention of adding or creating your own – forums. I, I know there's other ones out there like stamp boards and that's an Australian one, correct? In the virtual stamp yes, club. Yeah. Yeah. Glenn um, Stevens like, stamp board. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you have any intention of, of creating your own forum on the digital philatelist or is it merely just a, it merely just uh, go there to find what you're looking for? <laughs> so in my geeky days, I've done a lot of star Wars stuff. No way in a million years would I ever <laughs> run a, a discussion forum ever again. Um, I, yeah, I mean, even Facebook groups, you have to be able to monitor them mm-hmm. um, constantly. And, like, there's a lot of work that would go into, like, stamp boards um, to keep that maintained, to get rid of all the, the riffraff that comes in and whatnot. Right. And It's not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not worth the effort. You have to be really devoted. So anyone who yeah. gets on there and starts windy, I'm like, oh, you try run one of these things, mm. just let them do what rules they want to put in place. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. To switch gears for a second, talk about, or if you don't mind talking a little bit about yourself personally, how did you get involved in the Rhodesian Study Circle? How long, you know, what what, what brought you to collecting uh, British Africa in the first place? What's your own personal history with the hobby? Uh, 
Yeah, sure. So um, I actually stole it from my sister when I was very young. So she started stamp collecting. I just took it from her. Um, and then when I was in my teen years, so probably around about 14, 50, my dad and my uncle gave me their childhood collection. And that was a worldwide collection, but I really was just drawn to the British Commonwealth. So um, during my late teen years, I collected a lot of British Commonwealth. I got albums of British Commonwealth. Um, and then in my 20s, I did what most people do, which was it just went aside and I didn't really collect it. And then when I came back, I was like, I don't know if I want to do um, as broadly a topic anymore. And I just went, well, you know, Southern Rhodesia, which is really what I started in, doesn't have a lot of stamps, really quick to collect. Um, and then I just started with that and then um, moved on from there. So that and at that point in time, I went, well, the Stanley Gibbons catalogue only offers so much information that you can get. Um, so I joined the Rhodesian study circle from there on in for that reason. Yeah, to get more info. Yeah. You said they've got a lot of postcard material on there. So is yeah. it mostly mint used or is it a lot of postcards, covers, stuff like that that you collect? I mainly actually collect advertising covers um, okay. from it. So for anyone who is watching and doesn't know, uh, Rhodesia doesn't really exist anymore. It's Zimbabwe now um, and it's gone through many name changes and um, territorial changes as well. Um, so to find advertising covers can actually be quite hard um, to come by, but no one was collecting them. So I decided to collect them and then they started getting published in the Rhodesian Study Circle Journal and then everyone started buying them and their prices went through the roof. So <laughs> I've kind of stopped that now, <laughs> which is the good, like, and I always say to people, look for things that people aren't buying because if you start buying them, you'll start out cheap and then yeah. As soon as someone finds out they're, they're there, up go the prices and the demand and then, you know. It's, it's funny, how that, funny how that works. That mm. As soon as people find out something's interesting, they, they immediately attach to it. But I think that speaks to a lot of the, a lot of the hobby and why people collect it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, um, I, like I find with the American market, it's very driven about um, the stamp being mint, like mint, no hinge, scented, mm -hmm. perfect. Oh, you know, try to get one of those in Southern Rhodesia. You're like, <laughs> forget it. Just get whatever you can get that's closest to it. <laughs> yeah. So different markets, different collecting techniques. So, Yeah, I, I wanted to talk a bit about that. We'd, we'd spoken with a lot of American people. Then we talked to Pierre on the differences between the American and the European collectors. And then how, how do you find Australian collectors collect and and how do they buy their their stamps are there a lot of australian based stores auction houses uh, local dealers stuff like that bourses um not really i look i don't really i'm not really involved with the australian scene that much um okay. and i think mainly because it's just not advanced enough I, they're still you know meeting clubs and you know they're mainly what would be perceived as the older generation, uh, which is fine, but it's not really a lot of people's cup of tea. So, yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't connect enough in that and I don't see a lot online. I mean, other than the punk, and I didn't even know he was from Melbourne like me, um, I don't really, don't really see many. So, yeah, I mean, we have a chat, the Rhodesian Studies Circle has a chapter here in Melbourne and... So out of Melbourne, we, we have the editor of the journal here and I was doing all the social media from here. So we're rather large and influential in the work that we were doing for the society. But, uh, yeah, I don't really 
get a lot in here. But apparently there was a study done here a few years ago that said there was like millions of stamp collected in Australia, something ridiculous like that. What do you think the future of communication and philately is? You talk about punk philatelists, you know, as social media takes over more and more of our lives, where do you see stamp collectors congregating? Is it Instagram? Is it Twitter? Is it Facebook? Is it all of the above? Where do you see philatelic debates and discussions and everything uh, taking place in the future? What platform do you think is most conducive to philately? Mm, good question. Um, I act, And I think this is part of the reason I did the digital philatelist. I think it's all of them. Um, and there's all different ones. So, for example, I was having a chat with um, Heidi a few months ago from the APS, and I said that Instagram appears to be mainly a female demographic, mainly, um, and it's centred around more creative side of things, so a snail mail or that could be post-crossing or it could be um, stamp art, totally different market um, to what you would see on Facebook. So Facebook tends to be a lot of people going, I just got a collection, how much is it, am I going to be rich type of thing. Um, there's a few specialist societies in that on there, but I don't think they're great. Um, whereas Twitter, Twitter, I t- tend to find uh, more chat, more conversations than what I would find in a group on Facebook or a Facebook page. So it's really, it's, it's, it's very different. But I do, like, I do know that most of the Facebook demographic is um, between 30 to 55-year-old males. Huh. That's where most of them are, yeah. That's pretty interesting. So do you feel that, just to touch on what you were just talking about, that your disconnection with the Australian or the fact that there wasn't an Australian online or even in real in-person connection there brought you to the to creating the digital philatelist is that was it your drive for connecting with other people as well or yeah i think it was more than what i was seeing uh, around the social media traps so there was all these these sites um all these platforms just springing up and there's all these groups of people but none of them are talking to each other and even if it was um you know a real life a meeting um type situation a traditional way of meeting they're still not all talking to each other. They're all separate, mm-hmm. and that, that's a problem. So in, I think if we want to improve as a, as a hobby um, in the future, we have to start talking to each other and we have to go outside our boundaries. Americans stops, you know, just dealing with the APS. Yeah. Have a look at what else is available. How can you cross the borders? And I think that's one of the things I liked about virtual stamp packs that the PTS just had was it was starting to break down some of those borders. We were starting to see people from different places in the world or connect together um, yeah. which is hard yeah so yeah it's it's, it's going to be interesting yeah the the chat functionality in that in that pts show was a real surprisingly active and i, I don't mean surprisingly in a bad way it was just mm. it was really surprising how active it was it, whether it be on on individual people's pages like graham beck or within mm. the dealer or the show chat themselves the people who had booths talking to each other it it was really it was pretty active and there were good conversations going on and it was it was interesting stuff and it was a little bit social too i know that i took over um suzette's <laughs> chat at one point where i was dancing and um i think someone took over the punk philatelists and started having wine in that one yeah. um so it was a little bit social as well and then i, I like the i think it was the last um day of it whatever that is over here, the last part, uh, 
the spink auction. Someone was like, oh, my God, you should see the prices that's going on in the spink auction. Suddenly everyone went across to find out what was going on over there. And this was all virtual. So it was like, this is what, it was just different. It was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it almost broke down inhibitions or I don't think anybody would run into a room where everybody was was congregated and scream hey you got to check out the the prices in the spink auction people just don't people just don't act that way exactly um, you wouldn't do that and yeah you were able to and we all just kind of went oh hang on log out go into the other you know yeah. part of it hmm. yeah when Charles and I were talking to Suzanne uh, she had mentioned the and I think Charles had, had touched on it too the the fact that chat really put everybody in a level field and they were able to talk with people who had been in the hobby for 50 years if they'd been in the hobby for only a year. And mm. it, it was really an experience that, that you don't really get that much in a, in an in-person yeah. And the, the American Philatelic Society back in 2016 did, a, I think it was a future philately paper. They, they did this like breakdown of where they needed to be and everything. Um, and it was really handy, but it, it talked about hidden collectors in that. And I think, one of the things, like for me, is I don't really like going into crowded areas. I, I, like I'm, I'm social, but I'm not social kind of right. thing. I, I don't, I don't like lots of crowds. I don't like lots of people around me. Um, so sometimes a real life show, or a real, a real meeting stamp club. For some people, it's fine. For other people, it's not. Um, and so it's a really easy way to disconnect them. This broke down some of those barriers. You could kind of. Like if you're someone like me who's much more comfortable behind a computer than in, in real life, I can, mm -hmm. you know, away I go. So it's tapping, again, it's tapping into another market. Yeah. Yeah. There's no real wrong way to collect stamps. No, no, yeah. no. Well, and it does give all these hidden collect collectors a way to engage that they they wouldn't do any other time, you know, whether they don't want to go to a stamp hall or yeah. whatever it may be. Yeah, or whether they're not a part of some sort of organized philately in any way, maybe these these free shows like the the PTS and the and the APS stamp show online mm. um, is a way to maybe entice them and and bring them out to a to a live show at some point. Yeah, we are seeing like a lot of um, Graham's Beck's mm -hmm. exploring stamps. A lot of the comments on there. <clears throat> was, oh, you know, I haven't collected stamps for so many years and so I've just decided to get back in the hobby and I've been watching your videos. Um, so it's it's just tapping into a new market and I think Philately got stuck there for quite a long time where the only concept of a stamp, like collecting stamps, was the traditional style of collecting and that's it. Um, and I think if we're moving forward now, we have to kind of break down some of that. I don't know. I personally don't know how long those... Um, what I call dot collectors, so people who look at all the dots on a stamp and that. I don't know how long that type of philately is actually going to last in the future. I don't know how sustainable that is. Um, it was obviously popular in the from those in the 50s and the 60s, but I just don't know how that's going to last mm -hmm. in the long run. Well, a lot of those people too are are thriving online as as well. The mm. the the people who are ready to embrace it, they're they're really getting very vocal and and trying to connect with as many people as possible, and I think they're they're loving it. But I think yeah. the people that that aren't ready to embrace it are 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 missing out right now. And you know what? If someone doesn't want to embrace the digital world, don't force them. Like yeah, yeah. you know, if they don't want to, don't don't bring them over. Um, and what I was saying uh, to the APS in my stamp chat was, we've 
And I think you, this was alluded to with Graham on your show as well. You have the, the youth, which is catered for, so lots of youth stuff. You've got the dot collectors right at the other end and the traditional people, but actually the, the majority of the middle is not catered for. No one is catering for them, and that's where this online presence is coming in. Yeah. Um, and if you're not catering for them, they'll either create their own social media um, identity, um, you know, or you'll just... You know, your club or society will just die and, and pass away. And mm. we've seen it. Graham Beck is the perfect example. He's come in, does, he didn't need the APS, he didn't need the PTS, he didn't really need anyone. He just did his own thing and he's got a massive following now. Um, so, and that, that's probably the biggest threat to organise philately if they don't change. But I think, like, the APS and the PTS are really on the right track. I, yeah. I think they've, they've got it nailed. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're embracing it, and I, the a, APS even sponsored Graham for quite some time, and they really enjoyed what he was doing, and the, uh, they see the value in bringing in the the middle middle level, and I think other people are starting to get that too. There was a Lynn's article not too ro- long ago uh, about how to go from beginner to specialized. Because mm. um, it's funny, the biggest video on Graham's channel is actually about which stamp album to buy. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was that was a, like yeah. a, a ridiculous. It was like 20, 24,000 views or something like that. It's massive. It's huge. Yeah. Uh, but of the most basic topic, right. um, which we all think everyone should know. And But if you're coming in as a 35, you know, 40, 50-year-old and you're starting out, it's not always easy to approach a dealer and say, I need to know about stamp albums. Mm-hmm. Because they'll look at you and go, well, don't you know? Yeah. <laughs> Like, aren't you yeah. a little bit older now to know about that? Or you're yeah. like, no, I'm just starting out. So Graham's good on that thing. People will start doing things. Yeah, people like like Charles and I, if if I hadn't had Alex or the YPLF it, it, helping and guiding us into the philatelic hobby, it, it would have been tough. Or my, my father was a big help there as well, but it, he didn't connect me socially with people because himself, he didn't have those connections because we were online. And that was that was it. There weren't those connections online yet when we started out. So and I can say that I'm totally jealous that you guys got to do that. When I found out that the APS did that, I was like, darn it. Yeah. <laughs> We're in the yeah. wrong country in the wrong age. Darn it. <laughs> I would have been all over that as yeah, I mean, that in my youth. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Warning to everyone out there, if you haven't tried and you're in that age bracket, go for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Alex is Alex is great. He's super supportive and and I wouldn't be an APS member today I, if, if it wasn't for him. And yeah. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have met Charles. I'd, it, you know, organized philately. It's a great initiative. It's just yeah. a and – and, again, I don't, I'm not sure why – I mean, I'm not, I'm not too sure if the, um, the Royal in the, the UK does it. And even in Australia, but like, I don't know of anything that's – again, it's the youth. It's like the kids. Like, what can we give the kids? A pack of dinosaur stamps. Okay, yeah. great for them, but – what's beyond that there's really right a plan there. that needs to be in place for that mm-hmm. yeah and then even going past that i know the yplf i think what is it charles 18 to 30 i think it's 18 to 25 i have to keep remembering to, oh no uh, it's younger than that it's 13 <laughs> to 25, about 25. I yeah i thought 13, it was 25, 25. Okay. Limit, but I, I just wanted to still be included <laughs> <laughs> in the young young philatelics well, the, so the, the APS also had a group, uh, sort of off topic, but they had a, a group that was meeting for a dinner at every summer stamp show uh, for young philatelists, and the cutoff was 50 for that, huh. which in most circles, 50 is uh, 
you know, not the, the younger part of a, of the, the populace, but, but in the APS, that was, that was their cutoff. So I'll take it. You've, you've got a couple more years then. <laughs> couple. Yeah. <laughs> couple. <laughs> but it's funny that because I was talking to Graham the other day and he was like, um, for his flatly things video. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, one of I, I hate when the hate when organizer uh, flatterly says, you know, it's dying. What can we do to save it? It's like, oh, you know, it's not dying. They're just. Um, but I said at the same time, they always go, you know, well, fifty year olds don't use computers and that. I'm going, but what's fifty? Like fifty today mm. um, is someone that was born in the seventies or eighties. They had access to computers, whether it be the Apple II or you know the first iMac or whatever. They had, they were using computers, but um, so. Go back to the 1980s and 50s. Well, not really, because they were like the 1930s. They were getting out of the depression. Like it's, yeah. it's different. And the market that's coming through now, most yeah. people will be computer savvy. The, oh. the the other end is yeah, absolutely. Uh, my my father's 69 years old. He's he's more computer savvy than I am, and you know he's <laughs> he's so active online in talking about stamps and supporting the hobby. People. People those ages definitely definitely are. They yeah, the, and they want to connect. Well, I think it was the um, seventy plus is one of the fastest growing uptakers of digital technology in the world. That's um, seventy plus, yeah, and that was that was prior to COVID um, coming in. So COVID obviously just put the fast forward button on everything. So, <laughs> so what are you seeing the most support for on the digital philatelist website? What what are people looking at the most and what do you what do you think they want the most from digital philately? Don't know if that's interesting this one. Um, so software and apps is huh. probably one of the big one. Okay. Um, people are looking for that. Um, Patreon and Etsy are probably the next two. Um, they're interesting markets. I wouldn't have expected that. Um, yeah. Patreon's interesting because I actually think there's really good opportunities for smaller clubs to get into that market um, because it, it appears that the people that are using Patreon are the beginner market. Um, they're not worried about really the quality of the stamps too much. Uh, they're more about the variety that's available. So to get a regular subscription service started where people are getting regular packets of stamps is actually a good thing whether like for small clubs and also good for dealers who you know might not have a a huge sales on on rarer stamps but want to keep that other stock turning i think it's a really interesting market and i'd be watching that one um at the moment um etsy is another one i i I can't really explain etsy um it's a lot of stamp part in that so i think um different demographics it's it's been hard to track women over the years Rhodesian study circle was mainly a lot of uh it was mainly male dom- dominated um we did have some females come through from not stamp collecting actually from um, historical groups that I was part of on Facebook that would feed in kind of connected together so I'm not too sure where the Etsy things will end up um quite interesting so software and apps um and youtube's really big youtube's always big if i mm-hmm. post something on youtube yeah youtube's a big one <laughs> yeah it, it on the american side as far as patreon goes that again they didn't have a patreon because they're i'm going to talk about mystic stamps now i i feel a lot of the collections that we get whether they be moderate or even advanced, they always seem to have that mystic beginner album 
somewhere in the collection. We get a large room of stuff, and there's always that one mystic beginner, you know, fill in the blank. They give you the stamps, go find the spot. And and I think it speaks a lot to the fact that, that we do need to embrace the people who want to learn about stamps. We can't forget about those who are looking to looking to learn their their beginners and they they want to know more because everyone starts somewhere and that's what's so powerful about and the different age groups thing. as well whether it's a child yeah. like it could it, it doesn't just start with children people will pick up the hobby for other reasons later mm-hmm. on and i think you know maybe in the older days when stamp dealers were more of the brick and mortar style um you could walk in and you could go through those album books i mean i remember when yeah. i was like a teenager i'd spend like a couple of hours going through step album collections to pick out British Commonwealth stuff. But they don't you don't have that anymore. But there's still a market that just want that they don't really care too much about the quality. Mm-hmm. They'll progress to that stage later on as they specialise um, and they, they'll want really good high quality material where, you know, top end dealers and auction houses will come in. But just to get the, the collection filled and to start is not not huge amounts. Unless you go to e- eBay or Del Campe or something yeah. like that. But yeah, yeah not a great deal. Yeah, my, my wife loves antiquing and we go to antique stores and sometimes in the back there's one album of stamps and I always pull her back and I, I say, hey, look, at, there's an album of stamps here. And then halfway through the album, I realize I got a whole building of this stuff. What, what, am, I, what am I doing? But it's, it's the, there used to be these shops where you could, this was the entire experience. It's just looking at every single album is so exciting. And yeah. yeah. And so I think where you've got Patreon where it's like, well, you know, Say it was a, a five or ten. I think Philadelphia does five, ten, and nineteen dollar fifty prices. Um, last time I checked, um, of things five dollars is a, is generally affordable for most people to get a pack of stamps. Um, there's a YouTube channel, Mallard Stamps, um, mm. and he just um, he he does like these little five little minute videos, and he does his grab bags, and he's a total beginner, and he's a self confessed beginner, a bit like Graham Beck, um, but they're really interesting to watch, and him. And he just absorbs information. You'll say, oh, no, that's this or that's that. And be like, oh, okay, cool, cool. Now I know that. And uh, it, it's, there's a little market out there. It's just not being fed at the moment. Yeah. So with the software, what software are they looking for? You mean it's, it's catalogs, like the Scott catalog has an online digital version? Or do you think it's more like the Google, they point it at the stamp and it tells them what stamp it is? What's the software um, they're looking for? It's been a little bit hard to track it. So one of, one of the things I've been trying to do, and so, so I'm, when I do a web page, I'll get – so say, for example, I was setting up a web, uh, one for this channel, right? Mm-hmm. I'll put podcast link in there. I'll put the YouTube link in there, and I'll put your title on there. So I can kind of track where, where people are going, right? Yeah. So I'll know they're going – this many are going to podcasts, this many people are going to the videos and that. Um, I haven't been able to really do that with the – the apps and that um, I've I've just done an update to the Apple Store to try and get a lot of them linked so I can start finding out. I think self-creating stamp albums, printing their own stuff, is quite big, but I'm just not too sure what the rest are. I don't have that info yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. I hope to, hopefully, in another three or, three or so months, I will. Yeah. Like I said to Graham and. Um, I think it was even Heidi from the APS is once I start getting the data behind the scenes, then I can actually start informing people um, what that data shows, like where are people looking, where are they going, what are they after. Um, but it's a bit too early yeah. to get that at the moment. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
are they seeking uh, information as well? I know a lot of these so websites like uh, StampSmarter.com. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't seen that one. I, I'd check that out because it's it's filled it's filled with tons of information about everything, and it's it's everywhere. I think it's mostly U.S. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I think it's mostly U.S. Stamp smarter. Stamp smarter. I can. I'll okay. put that in the the description. I can actually yeah. give you the link for that. But it's it's all online digital. It's this one guy, and he'd been working on it for. I don't, I don't want to get this wrong, but five years or something, or maybe even 10, I don't. And he actually got an award from the APS for his work in, uh, on this website. And it's, it's full of information on design types and how to plate stamps and, and the history of uh, covers and, and everything like that. And it, it's, it's a fascinating website, but it's all over the place. And, and I would be interested to see how many people are going to that specifically to try and find out what they've got or if people are using it to help them build their collections. Yeah. Um, I've tried to like in some of the country stuff, like I started to put together country pages and bringing together all the like information. So obviously first step was just to list things. Um, and then it's starting to group things. Um, and yeah, I like, I don't, I haven't really finished the big ones on that, but even some of the small places, I'll just get some, for some reason, I'll get something that'll tick off a whole heap of uh, page hits, and then it'll just go quiet, and then it'll come back again. And interesting. It all it all depends, but it'll, it works a little bit like uh, Wikipedia, where you can link off in that, and then start, you can start seeing where people go from bits and pieces. Yeah, but it's still a bit early. I, I think it's still a bit early at the moment to really give more solid information, other than the big ones. I know where people are looking. Um, in terms of the type of uh, social media platforms, but just not that next level down yet. Yeah. Huh. I had to go. I know that Graham got, I'm not sure, maybe one of you guys is on there, the Discord channel as well. Yes, uh, I I saw that. Um, I joined that quite a while ago. It's decently active. I think they've just hit 100 members. Yeah, it is. And like when I was first made aware of it, I think, um, again, Graham Beck said, I have, you know, have you seen much on Discord and that? I'm like, Discord? Like, I know that from computer <laughs> games. I don't really know it about stamps. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, I've got to check this one out. So I went and had a look at it. And I was like, oh, this is actually a good little, like, little community there. Yeah. But again, you, you wouldn't know about it. So it's up and now I got that up the other week um, onto the Digital Philatelist under virtual, yeah. uh, the Discord channel. So yeah, they talk, they can't, I can't keep up with it. They talk so much. <laughs> but it's, they that's do. what you want. That's, that's the people just but talking about stamps. It's that age group. It's like like if you're on a YouTube uh, chat live or, um, you know, Discord or, or tw- uh, twi- Twitch. Twitch, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. You just have to keep up with it. It's like really fast and it's perfect for that demographic, but it may not be good for other demographics. Right, right. <laughs> they would just go, you know. <laughs> but at least it's, it's filling the, the, the void, if you will, for a forum type material for younger people who aren't, uh, it doesn't seem like anybody's intimidated to talk to anybody else there. They're really chiming no. in with absolutely everything. No, it's easier just to chuck stuff around and be more social. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. good, yeah. <laughs> well, James, this has been fantastic. Uh, thank you. Thank, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. No, not a problem. Thanks Is there anything me. else you wanted to, to touch on before we head out? Or Charles, any questions? Or 
I could talk for I could talk on a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to we'll touch back in with you. You know, in in uh, like you'd said, three or four months or something. When yeah, when more... to see where the website grows and, yep. and yeah. Um, you know where you take things from here we'd love to, to chat again yeah definitely and you know anyone who's watching this and they do have a website or a blog or whatever and it's not listed let me know there's a contact us page on my website and just shoot me your details and i'll get through them well thank you so much james this has been fantastic wish you the the best of luck with the website and we'll keep an eye on it yep i'll send we'll you that link to speak in a few months yeah. yes please <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right well, good talking uh, to you, James. Good talking to you, yeah. <laughs> good talking to you. You guys have a good day. You too. You too. Have a good night. <laughs> See you later. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Bye. Right. Well, I, I thought that was great. I thought that was really interesting. It's great to see somebody who's, um, you know, there, there's, there is a disconnect between all the different social media platforms and whatnot. It's nice for there to be one go-to source for all of these blogs, Facebook pages, you know, Twitter accounts, whatnot. It, 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 I think there needs to be a home for this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he's, it, he really, I, I feel like I've used this phrase so many times in this episode, but filled the void for the people who wanted a, to, to find everything in one spot. It's the easiest place to go if you're looking for anything online. Absolutely. I, I can't wait to see where he takes it. I can't wait to catch up with him again. And uh, this is a really fun chat. And I appreciate uh, him, you know, being able to, to work it out in terms of timing all the way from uh, the yeah. other side of the, the globe. Yeah, well, I uh, appreciate you being able to find it and, and me being able to find the time for this. And we do these semi-on time. You know, we want to be yeah. kind of current. So this literally was the only time this week that, that we both had that it, it, all three it'll of be us. Fun. It'll be fun to take these things on the road. My next yeah. one, I'll be in uh, St. Joseph, Missouri uh, when, we're, when we're having our next chat. So that'll, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Anybody listening or watching, we are on YouTube. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, flatlypodcast.com. Flatlypodcast at gmail.com. If you want to reach out to us, um, you know, if you want to give us suggestions, uh, recommend someone we talk to, recommend something we talk about, yeah. uh, you know, we, we love hearing from you. So, uh, so please feel free to give us a shout. Yeah, absolutely. Please reach out to us. We, yeah. we, love, uh, we love hearing from you guys. Um, uh, again, whatever you want, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, really, we aim to please. We we want to provide. I hate using the word content. That's probably my least favorite word in the English language right now. But we aim to provide content that that is uh, you know really of interest to people and, and helps. Uh, you know, again, a lot of people go to the digital philatelist. Um, who's the guy behind it? Who is this guy who who created the website and created the Reduce and Study Circle website? That's why we're here. I think is to yep. to talk to people. Right, exactly. Yeah, if you there's anyone you want to hear from, like or any topics, we got a lot of feedback on the on the Mike Hines video talking about pre cancels, and and people yeah. said, you know, I like the fact that it's just this short interview that gets directly to the point on pre cancels. This is all I need to know about pre cancels. The guy's an expert. Uh, it, this, and, this can become like the Nobel Prize. You can uh, nominate someone to uh, <laughs> yeah. to have to talk to us. You can sacrifice <laughs> someone. <laughs> Yeah, throw them into the uh, into the Zoom. Exactly. So no, again, this, this is fun. I'll uh, I'll talk to you from Missouri. Yeah, yeah, that'll and, be fun. Uh, I'm excited to see that place. I'll I'll, I'll give you a tour of uh, where we're doing. You know, what? let's do. I'll give you a tour of our catalog production that we're doing. That would be incredible. That'd be fantastic. And I think people Done. want that. They yeah. That, 
this will be this will be new to me as well. So we'll uh, we'll experience it together. Yeah, you could we could do the same thing that we did for the office, where you walked around with the camera, showed us uh, yeah. Rockefeller let's, Center. Do that. We do can it. do a voiceover. Perfect. Let's do it. That'd be incredible. Until next time, we'll uh, we'll talk real soon. Yeah. See you then. Bye.